Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. You know, I'm really excited about being here today because it was predicted the world was going to end yesterday. So I would have been okay with that. I would have been okay, but we still got things to do. So I'm glad, I'm just glad I'm not the only one left. I thought maybe, I don't know. Anyway, so, you know, uh, can I just say something about that? I know there's a lot going on in the world and I don't fault people for making those kind of predictions. Uh, Earthquakes, fires out in the West and all kinds of things, hurricanes. And and I know they speak to something. Here's what I know though. No man can predict the day or the hour the Bible says. So that's just... Anybody that tells you they know that or can, is trying to predict something, they have no idea. In fact, Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus is waiting for the Father to tell him when to come get us. And so the other thing about that, just to be aware of, is the Bible says, all shall hear and then the end will come. So not only do men, does man not know when Jesus is coming again, but uh, we have still work to do. There's still people that haven't heard the gospel yet. And so that's why one of the reasons why a couple of years ago we tackled a, or took on and um, are sponsoring a uh, unreached people group, missionaries to an unreached people group. There's still just under 7,000 unreached people groups on the planet. And so until that, unless that number starts shrinking real quick, we could be here a little while longer. I'm just saying that whatever the world does, whatever things are happening around about us, if nothing else, the Bible says, all shall hear and then the end shall come. And so we're on mission, amen? If we want that to come quicker, which I all think we'd agree, come on, Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Then let's get after reaching the lost a little quicker. Let's do a little bit more so everybody has a chance to hear the good news, amen? All right, just want to say that about that. A lot of things going on here at Tree of Life. Uh, you saw the announcements coming up. I uh, want to let you know, just to bring some clarification, uh, we, we're kicking off a new series, not next week. We have one more week, one more installment of this one, but the rest of October, it's called At the Movies. You saw kind of an announcement here, and actually the announcement for that series is happening at Creekside. It's being shown over 2,000 times at Creekside during all the movies, and can I say there's some great movies to, for a church advertisement to be shown out right now, just to let you know. But uh, we're kicking off a series, and really it's the, the, the thing behind the series is it's a modern day parable. Jesus taught in parables. He took lessons of today. He took the language of today. He took illustrations of his day, if you will. And he put those into a message that people can relate to and understand. So we're gonna take some different movies that people know. We're gonna show some clips, but we're gonna bring out some spiritual truths and apply it. And the thing about that is, it makes it really come alive scripturally and spiritually to us, but it's really great to attract new believers or unbelievers rather, unchurched. So coming to the up, the up and coming at the movie series, you need to be inviting people to church. You always need to be doing that. But I'm telling you, it's a great evangelistic tool to bring them to the at the movie series. So let's all make sure that we're doing our part, inviting people. You'll get some more information the next week or two about that and stuff to be able to invite your friends and your neighbor and your family that don't know Jesus. It's going to be a great opportunity for them to come to the Lord. So don't miss out on that. And then you saw in conjunction with that, we're doing a family movie night and that'll be on the 6th, and so we're looking forward to that one. So a couple of announcements to clear up for you, and then I want to let you know that our serve day is coming up next Saturday. Today's the last day to get signed up. Uh, you can go online and check all that out. There might be some more flyers around here. Stop at the Welcome Center. But uh, excited about the sign-up we have already. We're mobilizing the church to get out outside of the church. I saw the back of a shirt, and it said, the church has left the building, and I love that. I I'm going to steal that and put it on one of our outreach shirts. The church has left the building. Amen. We're getting outside these four walls out in the surrounding community and being the church out there. Amen. Being the light out in the community. So thank you guys for jumping on board with us. Amen. That's what we're about. 
Not just what happens in here, but mostly what happens out there. And so the nursing home outreach is filled up. Uh, we still have spaces for the bag and a prayer. Uh, we have 250 bags with some items in here. I think they have them. They'll put it on the screen that uh, we're purchasing or we've already purchased. Uh, we've, we've gone to HEB. HEB is partnering with us, giving us a great deal on these items, which you don't get these items when, you have, when you're under-resourced and you have food stamps or WIC. You can't buy these, and they're very, very expensive. And so we've, through HEB, we got a great deal on that, and we're able to provide those at our expense. So we want you guys to come out Saturday morning. You can get signed up for that. You can bring your family. Uh, we're going to bag all the things together, make 250 bags, and we have two different under-resourced areas. We're going to go and pass those out, and we're just being the hands and feet of Jesus. And let me tell you, it's not, not anything to scare you off or it shouldn't be intimidating. We're just going with a bag of those items, knocking on a door, and just saying, we just have a little something to show you how much God loves you. Is there anything we can pray with you about? It's that simple. And I know two things people don't turn down, and that's number one, free stuff. And number two, free prayer. Very few people turn any of those down. And so that might not be your comfort zone, but we'll put you with people that that is. But I promise you, by the end of the day, you'll be looking for the next door to knock on and the next person to pray for. Amen? And so a great way to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And then we have our two outreaches, hurricane-related, as Pastor Cody said. Again, today's the last day. We're taking a bunch of people to Victoria uh, for a great time of helping recovery, uh, people getting back on their feet there, and then also a team to Houston, a little bit more involved labor-wise. And so you can get more information about that. Amen. Thank you for being a tree of life to a lost and hurting world. Thank you so much. And you can be a part of that, or you can certainly pray for that, or you can give towards that by going to our, our, our giving link on our app, and you can, on the drop-down menu, and do it that way too. So, amen. All right, lots going on. Get your Bible out. Turn to Ephesians for me. We are in part three. And so the first week of You Asked For It, you actually asked for these topics during our Easter survey. Uh, part one was um, how to deal with uh, stress. And so I'm thankful that you've uh, have been living stress-free ever since then, but hopefully you've used those tools and applied them to your life. That's where it comes from, amen? So we all should be walking a little bit more of that by applying those tools, applying the Word of God. Um, last week, we talked about how to deal with difficult people, and so I thought about talking, saying this way, you know, the week one, we learned about how to get rid of stress, and then week two, I didn't think it'd be proper to say, we learned how to get rid of difficult people. I didn't think that would be right, but really, it's how to deal with that within ourselves, and so we take care of that within us. And this week, we're talking about spiritual warfare because honestly, there's an underlying current of something that really is here trying to cause chaos and trying to cause uh, opposition to our lives and to our mission, to our vision. And not just within ourselves personally, but around the world. In fact, turn on the news and see there's a lot of spiritual stuff going on. And we just can't look at it and blow it off and just think it's all natural. It's not. There's a lot of spiritual application to it all. We want to talk about that. Ephesians 6 is our starting point. Verse 10 says this, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Do you realize there's a strength beyond yours you can walk in? You need to realize there's a strength beyond yours you need to walk in. Let's just be honest with you, right? We are limited in the natural abilities, but thank goodness that God is a supernatural God. Amen. And so we can walk in his mighty power. The more we draw closer to him, understand him, operate at, like him, the more we can operate that way. Verse 11 says, put on the full armor of God. Again, put on the things God's giving you. Use the tools we're going to discuss so that you can stand, and we need to stand against the devil's schemes. We don't need to run and hide. We don't need to live in fear. We don't need to worry about him. We just need to take our stand against the devil's schemes. And let me tell you, the devil is always scheming. And you may not think so, but he is. And you're right here at church today. Don't think he's like getting a cup of coffee. Well, their church will get out in about an hour or so. Then we'll get back after him again. Can I tell you, he's scheming all the time. He is plotting. He is planning and how he can destroy your life. 
He came to steal, kill, and destroy, John 10, 10 says. And so he's scheming on how he can bring chaos to your life all the time. It goes on to say this, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We don't deal with it like we deal with other issues in life. We don't deal with the attacks of the enemy. We don't deal with the spiritual things just by natural means, by how we might manage other challenges or conflicts. We don't deal, uh, our struggle's not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of, the e- of evil in heavenly realms, which implies that there's a heavenly realm and there's another realm that we live in. And so let me just say it this way. You might then say, come on, Pastor Don, seriously. And can I say, just because you don't believe it to be true does not mean it's not true. And I don't mean that ugly, it's just the reality of scripture. And so there's things that maybe we don't understand, but know this, that there is a devil and he's out to bring chaos to your life. And so you know that, that's why you asked for it. (laughs) That's why this was the third biggest vote getter. There's things happening in your life that you're just wondering, what in the world is going on? Of all times, are you serious? If I'm not going through enough stuff already and then this happens, what a coincidence. Or how about, what a terrible coincidence. Or it just must be bad luck. Can I tell you, there's spiritual things at work. And I would not be a good pastor if I didn't tell you about those because I want to give you the tools and the ability to help you stand. I don't want you to be a casualty. I want you to stand because here's what we know. The devil has been defeated. He has been defeated. So let's stand in the victory purchased by Jesus. And we're going to talk about how we do that. So it says, um, therefore, put on the full armor of God that when, listen to this, when the day of evil comes, not if, when the day, the day of evil comes. Well, that's not very positive. You're not being very positive right now. Let me tell you, I'm positive that the day of evil comes. All right? And that's okay. We're going to give you some great things to overcome that as overcomers. But when the day of evil comes, You may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything to stand, stand. So stand your ground. Stand in the fight. We want you to win, not be a casualty. I want you to know that there's a battle going on, a real battle waging. And it it kind of freaks some people out. Really, we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about the spiritual side of it. But I I would be a bad pastor if I didn't share that with you. Ephesians 5.11, let's just get real right here. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Have nothing, say nothing, nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Listen, can I tell you, whether it's intentionally or unintentionally, there's a lot of us messing around with evil deeds of darkness. Uh, Let me just give you a few examples, and and don't hate me for it, but I just want to be real as your pastor, and I got to look at these myself. Listen, some of us ought to be more aware of the video games in our house. Come on, you can look at some of that. You can just look look at the cover and say, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's just a game, is it? What about some of the music we're listening to or allowing our kids to listen to? Come on. Uh, what about some of the TV shows? TV, movies, and dare we say internet, stuff going on. What about some of the people, relationships that we have? If something's just not right, come on, you're like me and the Holy Spirit, something's not right there. I don't mean that that's a bad person, but there could be something operating. Come on, how many places have we walked in and situations we've been in when something just hasn't set right in us and we've stayed, stayed there? How many times have have we gone to a movie and I've actually got up and left, even though I've just bought four four tickets, four buckets of popcorn, and spent $550,000 on snacks? I'm not leaving that movie unless the Holy Spirit tells me, okay? Come on, seriously. My family and I, one time in Mexico not long ago, and uh, the group, we all went, a bunch of people out to, there was a a certain museum in a neighboring town in Guanajuato, and 
And uh, so it was just a museum. And I, I started that tour and I had one of my daughters with me. My other daughter was way ahead and, and Jessamy had stayed outside and, and she was the one that was really perceptive because I got about part way in there, not even five minutes in the tour. And I just, my whole, my spirit was just like, man, this is, we're not doing this. And so I grabbed my youngest daughter. My other one was ahead with a different group and we went and waited outside. I'm like, we just waited for everyone else to come out. And it was like, you know, we have those moments. We know there's a spiritual thing going on here on the planet. And so there's a battle we're in and we need to know that we are in a fight. And we shouldn't be afraid of that. And we're going to talk about the realities of exposing the devil here. Expose the darkness. Okay, you need to know this. The devil's real. He's real. No, don't say, don't say that. <laughs> no, I'm not. You're, just conf- you're confessing it. No, the reality is he's real. And the Bible says he's a fallen angel. He's not some symbol of evil. Come on, he's just a symbol of evil. We just attach evil to the devil. He's not some nasty little thing running around in red tights and pitchfork and all that, whatever. He's not. The devil's real. The Bible says he's a fallen angel. And the Bible actually names three angels in Scripture, Gabriel, Michael, and Lucifer. Lucifer being Satan after his fall. All three resided in heaven, the Scripture says. And there was an event that took place where Lucifer was cast out of heaven. And the Bible's not really exactly clear when that happened, but just for those that like to study Scripture and things out, some scholars believe it happened between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, based on uh, the things that happened and punctuation and stuff. Some scholars say that the earth, the Bible says that, that it was God that created heaven and earth and then it became or was formless and void. It says the earth was without form and void or the earth became formless and void. Now God wouldn't have created it that way when he created heaven and earth. So they, they imply that destruction of the earth took place to make it formless and void after God created heaven and earth. Now, I'm not saying that I'm into that or whatever, you make your own decision, but they believe this event of the devil being cast out to the earth, and as he came to the earth, it created some destruction, and the earth became formless and void. You can study it. You can see the event, the devil being cast out in Isaiah 14. You can write that down. You can see it in Ezekiel 28. You can see it there. The Bible um, records a time when Satan says, he's the worship leader of heaven, he's beautiful, the Bible describes him, and he says, hey, I want some of that worship. I'm leading worship for God, I wanna elevate my chair to be equal with God, and God says, I don't think so, so God cast Satan out of heaven. And the Bible says that Jesus saw it, and Jesus was sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he was sitting next to God, and he says this in Luke 10:18. I love it, Jesus, he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, I love that. I mean, because we think there's this epic battle between good and evil going on. God was in, was in this battle with the devil, and, and we're just, come on, God, you can do it. And, and the devil's pushing back, and God's pushing back, and there's this fight going on, and things hang in the balance. Can I tell you, the battle lasted about a lightning bolt. Seriously. Why are we attributing so much power to the devil? And God just like dismissed him like a lightning bolt from heaven. Jesus recounts it. I saw like, like, like Satan fall like lightning from heaven. We think like, come on, God, you can do it. Come on, you can do it, God. Every, and it's like, seriously, God took care of the devil, no problem. I just think we need to know that. We give him a lot more power than what he has. Look at Revelation 2, I'm sorry, Revelation 12, rather, 7 through 9. Then war broke out, another recount. War broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. Seems like there's a little bit more going on, angels to angels. But listen to this in verse 8. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. Their place, a third of the angels fell with Satan, and that's what we see the demons now today to be. But listen, I love that. It says, but he was not strong enough. 
Come on, the devil's not strong enough to overcome and overpower our God. The devil's not strong enough to overcome and overpower you. And if he was not strong enough, he is not strong enough. He never will be strong enough. Come on, church. Come on, I'm preaching a whole lot better than you're responding right now, I'm telling you. All right. I, I, I know you heard me. I think I said, I, I said the, the devil was not strong enough. That's what I said right there, okay? So he's not strong enough. And so I don't know what's going on in your life, but can I tell you, he's not strong enough. I don't know what he's trying to get you to do, but he's not strong enough. I don't know what he's trying to get to happen in your life, but he's not strong enough. And so he's real, but he's not strong enough. And you need to know that. He goes on to say this. Let me finish this out, verse 9. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads, now listen, who leads the whole world, the world we live in, astray. He was hurled to the earth, so he's here at the earth, with his angels with him. And that's why some people think that that happened between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, when he came to the earth, and now he's trying to bring a formlessness and void, a void to your life. He's trying to make your life that way. And so we see uh, there in the scripture, and we need to know that that's where he's operating right now. Um, and maybe that's, again, how the earth became that way. But he's trying to do that in your life to make your life formless and void because he's against you. Real quick, you can write these down. I didn't give these in the notes. You can write these down for note takers, little additional things for you to look up. John 12, 31. John 12, 31 says that he's the ruler or prince of this world. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says he's the God, little g, of this age, the God of this age. Ephesians 2, 2, Ephesians 2, 2, he's the ruler of the power of the air. And 1 John 5, 19, the whole world is under control of the evil one. 1 John 5, 19, just to let you know the devil is real. And that's okay. We don't live in fear. We don't run and hide because we have the greater one in us. Amen. We'll get to that in a minute. Okay, so understand this. The devil is at war with us. He's at war with you. He hates you. He hates God. He hates you. He couldn't get to God. He lasted about a second, maybe less. And so he's hoping to get get with you a little bit here. So he's at war with us. He hates you because he hates God. So you might think, well, I'm not at war with him. And can I say this? You should be. There is no peace with the devil. There is no negotiating with the devil. Well, Mr. Devil, if you'll leave me alone for a while, I'll stop going to church for a little bit. Can I tell you, he'll say, hey, great idea. How about you just back off a little bit? How about you stop giving for a while? How about you do this? I won't mess with you. Can I tell you, he's the father of lies. You cannot trust him. He's just looking to mess you up every chance he gets. If you're not at war with the devil, you need to be. I heard somebody say it this way. If you're not bumping into him, you're walking with him. We don't walk with the devil. He's opposed to us. We're opposed to him. And so um, you might say, come on, pastor, I don't believe that. That's a little over the top. That's a lot of yelling kind of thing this morning. I don't believe it. Can I say, just because you don't believe it doesn't make it not true. We believe what the Bible says. You know what? He wants you to believe that he's not real. He wants you to believe that he's not at war because if you believe that, you won't fight him. You won't stand against him because he knows he doesn't win. He needs you not to show up for the battle because he's lost already. One of the best things I can do is make you aware of it. First Peter 5, 8 through 9 says this, be alert, wake up, another translation says, and be sober of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour, looking for someone who's made themselves available, if you will, but resist him, standing firm in the faith. Resist the devil, stand firm in the faith. And if you've seen uh, the animal shows in National Geographic. A lion just isn't like sun, lay in the sun all day and then all of a sudden pounce on an animal. He stalks them. 
He's like a cat, right? A cat, he stalks him. He stalks his prey. He stalks him and waits for the right moment. That's, that's the picture here. He's like, you may not see, seem like he's operating in your life right now, but you better believe he's scheming something. He's stalking you. He's planning something. Again, I don't say that just for the sake of we should live in fear. We shouldn't. He's a defeated foe, but we need to be wise. We need to resist him. Stand firm in your faith. And he's waiting. The devil went after Jesus, in fact. In the scripture, you can see that you can write this down. It's recorded in Matthew 4 and Luke 4. Same story, two places. Devil comes after Jesus out in the wilderness, fasting for 40 days, tempts him with some things, and Jesus stands and resists him and defeats him. But look at this after he's defeated. Look at Luke 4, 13. Look at the scripture says. When the devil had finished all this tempting and lost, he didn't get anywhere with Jesus, he left him until an opportune time. He left, so don't think that he's just gonna leave. I defeat, devil, you're defeated, leave me alone. Okay, I'll go, I'm gonna go find somebody else to mess. He's gonna try and come back. I'm just trying to make you aware. So you know that you need to resist him and stand against him. He doesn't win unless you let him in. But listen, he's gonna keep coming back. Let me give you the next thing. The devil has power. The devil has power. The big question is, and here's the next question we would all ask, well, how much does he have? Does he have power over me? Does the devil have power over Christian? That would be the next logical question. And I just want to say to you, I don't believe that the devil and God can reside in the same place. I don't believe the devil and God can reside in the same space. So if you have God inside of you, if you've asked him to come and be Savior and Lord, no, I do not believe the devil and God can reside in the same place. But can I tell you, he will harass you and he will attack you. He's the devil, it's what he does. So he's after you all the time, even though you're a Christian, but I don't believe that he can overcome you or overwhelm you. The devil and God cannot reside in the same space. So yeah, you have to understand that and not allow him his place. So Ephesians 4, 26 through 27, let me give you what that might look like. Verse 26 says, in your anger, do not sin. We all get angry and that's okay, not necessarily bad, but when we take it to a place that where we sin now, out of our anger, here's what it says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, because if you do, you will give the devil a foothold. You will. You will give him a foothold. He can't kick your door in. He can't break your window in. He can't force his way in, but you can let him in. Unresolved sin will let the devil in. The devil can't overcome you, overwhelm you, overpower you, but you can let him in. Uh, let me give you this example. It was a couple years, I shared this before, it was a couple years ago. We were living in a different home on a, on a busy street, and uh, one morning, two o'clock in the morning, uh, we hear this knock at the door. Someone's knocking on our door. I roll over, I look at the clock. I'm a kind of a light sleeper, and so I look at the clock, and, and I say, man, it's two o'clock in the morning. I'm like, Who could that be? What? I mean, I don't know what, that's kind of weird what's going on, and so I was like, Jessamy, go check who's at the door. No. <laughs> and so... I got up, I got up and, and went to the door and I'm looking through the window there and I see a police car out in front of our house. And so I, I'm like, wow, what could that be? So I, I opened the door and there's an officer standing right there and I said, I said, hello officer, I know why you're here. She's right back here, come on. I'll take it right there. And so the officer said, uh, hello sir, just wanna let you know that your garage door's open. And I was like, what? I'm still waking up, like what? And he said, your garage door's open. And I'm like looking, I'm probably half asleep still and he goes, if your garage door is open, someone could easily either come and get something out of your garage or just come into your house. And I said, you know what? You're absolutely right. Thank you very much. And the picture is this. Don't leave a door open to the devil. Don't leave a window open. Don't leave a door open. Don't leave an opportunity to the devil. Unresolved sin. That's why it says don't let the sun go down. Resolve the sin. Keep the devil out. 
I don't know about you, I just to say this, I've, from that point on, I do better checking everything, but I don't know if you lock, you know that door inside your house that you go through to go into your garage? Chances are probably most of us don't, even, don't lock that one. And he's right, that garage door open, they could just come in, and I'm telling you what, don't leave the door open to the enemy. Don't give him an opportunity. And so that's what it's talking about here. Yes, he has power, but don't leave the door open and give him a place. But here's the good news, the devil is subject to our God. The devil is subject to our God. He trembles at our God. He's already had a fight with him, and it lasted about a second. He's not looking for another one. He's already lost. Anytime you align yourself with the God you serve, you become just as victorious over the devil, amen? In fact, 1 John 4, 4 says this. 1 John 4, 4 says this. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. You aren't so great. I'm not so great. But the one who's in me is greater than the one who's in the world. Amen? That's good news right there. I think there's a whole lot more going on in the world than what we realize being spiritual. I mean, probably our own worlds, right? Our own lives. There's a lot of stuff going on in our life that's spiritually motivated or spiritually backed that we probably don't understand and we probably don't deal with it right. Now, we need to deal with everything we can naturally too. Don't get me wrong, right? If you're sick, go to the doctor. And pray and believe that's not a bad thing. But listen, there's a whole lot going on in our lives that we need to address more spiritually than we typically do. And so I think we need to be more aware. That's why we need to bring that message today. That's why you asked for it. So we know how to deal with those things spiritually as well as a natural response. We need a spiritual response. And so I'm just saying also, that, you know, the devil's not behind everything. He's not behind every tree. As some people see him behind every tree. Not today, devil, you know, or whatever. I lost my keys. The devil took my keys. No, he didn't. You just can't find them. You just don't remember. I think sometimes the devil's just like, God, really, I did not take their keys. I don't know why they're blaming me. They just can't remember where they put them. Got blamed for everything. But nor do I think that we just blow, off, blow them off and walk around like we're not aware of anything. We need to not go overboard, and there's not a devil between every rock and tree or behind that. But also we need to be aware that he's working all the time and not give him a place in our life. We need to learn how to fight the good fight. Amen? 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 4 says this, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world, like the natural ways that we would try and deal with things in opposition. On the contrary, they have divine power, say divine power, a power greater than our own to demolish strongholds. The power to demolish strongholds. I love that. The word stronghold in the Greek literally means a lie that keeps you trapped in slavery. A lie that has a stronghold over your life, a lie that has a stronghold on your life. Any lie completely against God's word, believing it, for you and I, believing it makes it become a reality in our life. The word demolished there in the Greek literally means to violently cast it down. You're in a fight, but you can violently, you need to violently cast down the lies of the enemy in your life. And it says the weapons are different than how we deal with things naturally. And so we need to know what the weapons are. What are the weapons we fight with that can violently cast down the lie the enemy puts in our life that has a stronghold of us? So how can we, how can we uh, violently cast down the lies of the devil? So here we go, number one. Here's how we do that. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Come on, the name above all names. There is no other name. There is no greater name. There is power in the name. The name above all names. Hey, listen, names have power. 
Names have power. Listen, cancer is a powerful name. Debt is a powerful name. Addiction is a powerful name. Depression is a powerful name. Divorce is a powerful name. Abuse is a powerful name. But I got news for you, church. There's a name higher than those names. There's a name above those names. There's a name greater than that. There's a name greater than that. Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says this, Philippians 2, 9 through 11, therefore God exalted him being Jesus to the highest place, the highest place. There's no place higher than Jesus, the name, and gave him rather the name that is above every name, the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, everything should bow in heaven, earth, and under the earth, everywhere. He had it all covered there. There is no greater name than the name of Jesus. That's the name. That's the name we use. The highest place, the name above every name. So as a believer, you use the name of Jesus. You use and it operates in heaven, earth, and under the earth. You just saw that in the scripture. So what do I do? Romans 10, 13. For everyone, say everyone, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now that doesn't mean that we use it this way. That's not just a salvation experience. Although it's true, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. But can I tell you, in relation to what we just read, in the midst of your fight, in the midst of your struggle, if you call out to the name above all names, you call out to the name of Jesus, he will come and save you or rescue you. Because the other names are subject to him. In the midst of your challenge, in the midst of your diagnosis, in the midst of your circumstance, you call out the name of Jesus. Amen? Call on the name. Use the name that was given to you and I that's above every other name. Use that. That's a great name. It's an awesome name. When we pray, we pray to the Father in Jesus' name. Father, I pray this in the name of Jesus. Let me give you the second one, the word of God. The name of Jesus and now the word of God. What do we do? What are the things that demolish strongholds? The word of God? The word of God has authority. It has power. Hebrews 4.12 says this. For the word of God is alive. Your word is alive. It's alive. It's a living thing. It's not a dead history book. It's alive and it's active. It works sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow. It is alive. Amen. It's alive and it works. If we go back to our original passage and finish it out in Ephesians 6, 14, look what it says. Ephesians 6, 14 through 17. Here's what it says. Stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, we're looking at things of armor, with the breastplate of righteousness in place to protect you, goes on to say, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith so you can extinguish all the fiery arrows of the evil one. Then look at this next verse at the end of it. Take the helmet of salvation, put on your head, and the sword of the spirit. In case you don't know what the sword of the spirit is, it goes on to tell you which is the word of God. Your Bible is an offensive weapon. It's the only one listed here. You need to get your Bible out to attack the enemy. Everything else listed there is a defensive object. Your Bible, the word, is an offensive weapon. You need to use it offensively. (laughs) You need to use the Bible offensively. I offend people with the Bible all the time, Pastor. Okay. Okay. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's like you need to... Sometimes we're just like that. We're reading our little sweet, nice morning, comforting. We got a cup of tea, cup of coffee. We got our blanket and our favorite chair. We're reading our little devotional. That's fantastic. But do you know what? That's a weapon. That's a weapon. When you're reading your little devotional with your with your blanket and your cup of tea, have a, a pad of paper there. And when you read something that you can use against the enemy, write it down. Oh, that's good. Oh yeah, I'm gonna hit the devil with that one right there. 
Oh, I never saw that before. I can't wait to use that against the devil. Man, you know what's going to happen is in your Bible reading, the Holy Spirit's going to show you something that's going to, you can use in the situation you're currently in. Or we're going to go to prayer and we're going to ask God, show me something, and it was in your Bible reading. You just didn't see it as an offensive weapon. But you need to get it out and get after the devil with it because it has power and it has authority. The sword of the Spirit. That's what Jesus did in Matthew 4 and Luke 4. The three temptations. On all three times that he was tempted, Jesus responds to the devil with scripture. He responds with scripture. Your Bible is a weapon, not just a sweet, inspiring, comforting, devotional. So treat it like a weapon. Quote it, speak it, declare it, memorize it, write it down, read it, eat it, feed on it. It is an offensive weapon. Let's look at number three, the power of the cross. The power of the cross is the ultimate defeat of the devil. The ultimate defeat of the devil. Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sin. And between the time he died and the day he rose again, he went down into hell, the Bible says, and confronted your enemy. And it says, and he looked him in the face and said, I just paid for everything for everyone. Give me those keys. It says he took the keys. He didn't just make it so you can be saved. Listen, he didn't just pay the price for your salvation. And that's a beautiful, wonderful thing. He just didn't pay for your salvation. He went down to hell and confronted your and my enemy, the devil, and said, give me those keys to death. Come on, the cross. He went down there and whooped the devil for us. Bible says he ripped out of the devil's hands the keys to hell and death in the grave. Look at what Jesus said to John in his resurrected body. Revelation 1.18 says this, I am he who lives and was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen. See, sometimes you've got to amen yourself. I feel you, Jesus, sometimes I'm there with you, okay. And I have the key of hell and death. I have the keys of hell and death. Jesus didn't die on the cross so we could be saved. That's like, so we didn't have to fear anything while we're living on the planet, while we're still here. The the devil, the death has no power over us. It's a win-win for a believer. We have an ultimate victory waiting for us. And we can live this life victoriously without fear of death. The cross didn't just pay for our sin, it conquers death. And that means no matter what, I ultimately win. Revelation 12, 11, New Living Translation says it this way, and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. They did not love their lives so much they're afraid to die. We can live a life because of what Jesus did on the cross and defeating the devil without fear. And we defeat the devil not just by what Jesus did, but we have a testimony. Can I tell you that I am thankful that I am saved and born again today because I once was lost, but now I'm found. The testimony was I was living in the devil's world, but now I've been translated in the kingdom of his dear son, Jesus. No longer am I going to hell. My testimony is I was at one time, but now I'm going to heaven, and I'm going to take as many people with, him, with me as I can. But some of you have testimonies that God has healed you from sicknesses. Some of you have testimonies that God has put your marriage back together. Some of you have testimonies God's restored your families, got a supernaturally brought provision to your life. So many testimonies we have to be thankful for. We need to use those. We need to use those. Why? Because we're in a spiritual war. Let me give you this last one, and I don't have time to elaborate on this, but I want to let you know that we're doing a series on this on Wednesday nights. Number four, the Holy Spirit, the person and power of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 6.18, if we're going to go back to our spiritual warfare passage, it actually closes with this one last thought, and pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. Again, I've done series on these Sunday mornings. We're actually in one on Wednesday night right now, and I wish I could elaborate more on this, but the person and power of the Holy Spirit 
as one of the greatest assets in your battle here on the planet. It's not some weird, goofy, spooky thing. It's not. And we'll talk a little bit more next week about it when we talk about spiritual gifts. But we all need that personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. Paul concludes the passage about our spiritual warfare with praying in the Spirit. We need a vibrant relationship with the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 says it this way, says this, but you will receive power. Say power. power. Isn't it a good thing to have power when you're in a battle? You need some power on your side. Receive power so you can operate outside your own power. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. We need power to live life in a way that reflects Jesus. We need power beyond our own natural ability and power to live a victorious life on this earth. See, I believe this, the the Holy Spirit at salvation is for heaven. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for earth. The power that we need to live that victorious life because we are in a battle. Whether we want to admit it or recognize it, realize it or not, we are in a battle. But we don't cower and hide. We don't run in fear. We rise up in our place of victory. Amen. And here's why I know that. Romans 8, 35 through 37 says this. Last scripture says this. Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Can anything separate us from Jesus? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we're in trouble, if the enemy's attacking, if we're in a battle, if the enemy is relentless and he won't leave us alone? Where is he at? Does it mean that he doesn't love us if we have trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? The scripture says, as the scripture says, for your sake, we're killed every day. We're fighting every day. We're being slaughtered every day. The enemy's after us. But no, despite all these things, no matter what the devil sends your way, no matter how many times he presses an attack against you, no, he cannot overcome you despite all these things. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. Amen. Overwhelming victory. Overwhelming victory. Despite the fact that there's times that we think, God, where are you at? Have you forgotten about us? And do you not love me anymore? No, you're just in a battle. But stand firm. He's a defeated foe. Resist him and he will flee, the Bible says. An overwhelming victory is yours. In fact, another translation of the scripture says that we are more than conquerors. I'm more than a conqueror. Come on, devil. I'm not going to run and hide. I'm not going to negotiate with you. You've been defeated. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm not just a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror because greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. Come on, devil. You mess with the wrong person. You want a spiritual battle? It's on. I'm not backing down. I'm not because I win. I've won. I win. The devil's only hope is if you don't show up. Devil's only hope is if you leave the garage door open at night and go to sleep. Listen, you win. Why? You're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Amen. Okay, we're in a battle. Okay. Don't run and hide. He's already been defeated. And you're more than a conqueror. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. Or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.